0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nottingham Playcast. The podcast is about to begin. Please take your seats.
1: Hi, this is Adam Penford, Artistic Director of Nottingham Playhouse. Welcome to the latest edition of our Amplify podcast. Our Amplify producer, Craig Gilbert, who usually hosts this series, is sadly now on furlough. Before he left us, however, he recorded some more wonderful conversations with some inspiring theatre makers. We hope you enjoy this latest episode. Hello, Bill. Thanks for joining us today on the Amplified podcast. How are you doing? Very good. Thanks, Craig. Good stuff. And uh, what, does, uh, what does this time look like for you? What have you been up to while social distancing? Well, um, mostly
0: uh, it's been about um, homeschooling, actually, for us. Um, I've got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. So they've been you know locked in with us and uh and we've been getting to grips me and my wife that is with um teaching which um has been definitely been an experience <laughs> and, i mean look we we we're very lucky we've we've not been affected uh by the virus as such um very luckily, no one close to us has has suffered, and we are not working, you know, as key workers on the front line, as it were. So it's just a case of sort of getting through as best we can. So we've been muddling, yeah, muddling through, really, sort of um, trying to sort of fathom a path through through teaching a five year old and seven year old.
1: And what's your favourite subject to teach?
0: <laughs> well, the, put it this way: when when I realised that half of my day was going to be spent having to sort of teach maths, um, elementary maths, I mean, I. I you know I, I sobbed because i mean this literally you know I, I was just terrible at school and um and maths was you know really tough i just couldn't get my head around it at all and um and i've had to sort of you know step up to the challenge <laughs> and um actually i've found i've you know um i've got better myself over the last few weeks i've had to but um so i mean i put maths aside i mean i you know i I've had I've actually had some really wonderful 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 times with with um, with both of them. Um, one of them is is le- the oldest is learning about um, hosts, The Planets, which I've not listened to in years and years. And so reacquainting myself with that has been really really fun. And actually, I I find I'm I'm more useful in those more sort of slightly more sort of creative kind of subjects. I guess um, I'm not bad at making a rocket out of junk. Um, I was doing that yesterday. And uh, this morning I made, I say I made, of course I'm not doing the work, I'm just guiding my children uh, alongside, but I, I get carried away a little bit in those sort of junk modelling um, lessons. So today with with the youngest, it was a bug hotel. So we had to make um, a hotel for bugs, um, which was quite fun. So, I mean, it does sound like very
1: silly and fun, but I have to stress, you know, obviously it's very serious as well. Um, oh yeah, of course. Uh, and what, what do you reckon? Do you think your children like their new teacher, Mister Buckhurst? <laughs> um, I think the simple answer is no, because
0: Mister Buckhurst <laughs> isn't very good. Um, and um, but they they they've been very very kind to us and sort of put up with it. In fact, the eldest said to me yesterday, "You know, you're doing all right, Dad. You're doing all right." Which <laughs> I thought was a great praise. I, I mean, I took that. I took that. Um,
1: so yeah, absolutely. Positive reinforcement <laughs> wherever it comes is always nice. Absolutely. But,
0: but you know, seriously, I mean, it's it's been a you know a, an amazing experience, and, and one where you you know, if ever we need a reminding about what an amazing job teachers are doing, and you know, I'm talking about teaching two kids who I know, but when you've got thirty in a room who you don't know, I mean, it's it must be it's such a challenge. It's such an incredible challenge and um and it's tough and it's hard and I you know I may do it for a few weeks um and I take my off to every single teacher out there who's doing it um, every day um it's it's quite a thing
1: had the lockdown not happened what would you have been up to during this period on Monday I would have been starting
0: a workshop of of a new musical um but prior to that I mean the way it all came about for me personally was um I I did the first day of rehearsals for a a production of Sister Act the musical, and um, it was rehearsing at Curve um, in Leicester, and um, we went in and did day one, and that was the day, the Monday that um, the theatres closed in uh, and productions closed in London, so we knew that it wasn't going to be long before we were going to be, um, you know, going home, uh, but in fact it, it 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 ended up being the next morning that um, you know we called it a day and 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 went back home. Uh, quite rightly so. Um, but it was, you know, it was still a shock for us all, um, I think. It, 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 the strange thing about the last few weeks is it does feel like a lot longer than that, um, because we've had to learn to adapt very quickly, um, all of us and everything that we do and our, our routines. And we've just dis- discovered and learned a lot about this horrible virus, or this appalling thing. And um, and so that day, um, yeah, it does feel like about a year ago, but it was only a matter of you know
1: what, six weeks ago. You mentioned earlier that uh, when you were at school, maths wasn't your strongest suit. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Not the maths. Don't worry, I'm not going to get you to do the times tables. <laughs> uh, but where where are you from? Where did you grow up? I grew up in in London actually. I'm in, I'm
0: actually one of the few people I've ever met from Clapham in South London. Oh. Um, so that's where I where I grew up and um yeah so um yeah many means ago and um as i was never i mean i was i was a kind of uh i was okay at school i was um unremarkable as a student i would say um and i certainly some subjects gripped me and um connected with me more than others um not sadly uh, mathematical uh classes or um uh, sciences particularly but obviously you know um perhaps not obviously, but, you know, um, English was something which I was really interested in. And I, I guess like like anything that you, you you engage in in life, if the person who's sharing that with you or, or at school, if it's, it's a teacher who engages you, um, that's, that's really something that's really special and that can have a really lasting effect. And, and I think that that happened to me fortuitously uh, with some of the teachers I had as a kid and um, in some subjects which, you know, remain important to me and certainly I feel
1: sort of helped me chisel a path in the profession that I've sort of, I'm in now. And um, what what about the arts? Is there arts in your family at all or is it something you found for yourself? No, it's not in my
0: family at all. Um, I think my mum, my mum still talks about having, you know, enjoyed doing school plays. I suspect my mum probably would have been a really good actor, but obviously, you know, things were quite different back then, and I, you know, that opportunity wasn't wasn't available to her at that particular time. But no, I, I, I kind of it just came from nowhere, really. My interest in in theatre. There was a, I'm just as I talk about. It, I remember doing a um a drama class for kids, a sort of a drama club down at the Battersea Arts Centre, which was as you know not far from where I lived, and this is sort of the early eighties and um I remember going i can't, it was an evening class a, 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 a club and I remember the, the people who ran it were i can't remember their names but they were they were young actors and they were so inspiring and and it was so fun it was all kind of theater game stuff, but I'd never done anything like that before
1: I said, do you remember what it was to drew you to that class? Do you remember why you started to go to it
0: yeah I think it was i I must have been about nine or yeah nine or ten and we'd done sort of like there'd be a school play or whatever and I at school like once a year and I and I was quite interested in that and as I say I had a particular teacher who was was really inspiring really fun and I I really enjoyed doing the school play and because of that I think my mum said that she'd seen an advert for a for this um club and wondered if I might want to go along so you know you know as a, a nine year old, I was like, yeah, yeah, great. So so I went along one night and there were kids, similar kids, you know, to me, really interested in in, you know, um, I guess, you know, I was gonna say in acting, but I didn't know much about what acting was. I mean, I, I knew about being in a play and being part of a company, which I really enjoyed. And um, and it was just fantastic that you know, there was a group of people, none of us knew each other, all at different schools and stuff, and all just kind of like coming together with this shared. I guess passion at a young age for for putting on plays, and I and I did that for about a year, and there were no there were no productions as such. It was just a kind of just as I say, theatre games. And um, I remember actually doing some improvisation of sorts, you know, as a nine year old, ten year old. It was fantastic, and clearly looking back on it because I know having you know um, you know over the years done some teaching myself of um, theatre practice, and it's you know. It's quite something to be a young person, have the passion to sh- to share it with young people, and again, I have a lot to thank those those people for for uh, for you know sort of keeping that sort of passion alive for me, I guess.
1: And um, yeah, I have really fond memories of that. And do you remember a point where you decided, yes, this is the thing I'm going to pursue uh, and try to make a live out, try to make a living out of?
0: I think that, to be honest with you, i I was never very confident growing up to think that I could do that. It's not a sob story. It's just like, it literally is because it was so far removed from anything that I knew. Okay. I knew my, the, the, those classes I used to go to the the clubs. And as I got older, um, and and I, I ended up going to university and I, I went to university and studied French. Um, I, I still had a, a passion for theater and, uh, for making theatre but I I always assumed that it, it, it wasn't a life that I could really make work and I think that certainly back then and we're talking about the sort of the, the, the 90s now a sort of there was definitely a sense for me that um, it was a really it was such a ridiculous profession going because you know you know it's it's so it's so competitive and it's so difficult and you know um, and I was at university anyway and I loved I loved the course I was on and it just felt like a hobby to me, I guess. And so I did my university degree. And as as I was halfway through, I think, to come round to your question, um, about the second year, I I did a production of, I was in a production of Macbeth, which went to the Edinburgh Festival. And I think probably going up to the Edinburgh Festival as a second year student at university and experiencing that energy and that community i keep coming back to that word but it's like the sense of yeah i felt like i belonged in a gang which i really didn't want to let let go of and i had a, this wonderful uh sort of month up in edinburgh um performing in this show which was a really directed by a guy called, called robin dashwood who was an amazing really visionary young man um who i understand is now making documentaries and and he was a brilliant director had these really wild um uh ideas and really really brilliant ideas for the show and obviously you know i mean Edinburgh festival is a competitive you know um place to, to to put on a show and you're always trying to grab audiences and stuff and i remember the marketing you know Uh, Team for the show, um, you know, I say that, you know, whoever it was, it was probably Robin's idea, decided to do something really sort of out there, but then felt really outrageous, was was to use the McDonald's um, Golden Arches sign as the M for the Macbeth. And it just plastered it all over the city. And it was, it really, for whatever reason, that year caught the imagination of people and they got in a lot of trouble for doing it. And suddenly, like, overnight, we were sold out. (laughs) It was great. (laughs) And I just remember having a total. Blast up there, as you do, you know, as a young person up in Edinburgh, and and meeting other actors from different, you know, complete from all over the world, and some were professional, and some were like us were students, and some were younger than us, and it was just the the greatest month I could ever remember having, and probably that was the time, as a sort of you know, what I was nineteen or twenty, and I was like, I I really want to do this, and I and I went back and thinking. I'm still at university and I, you know, I, what do I do? And I thought, well, do you know what? I'm Maybe what I should do is just test the water. Applied to drama schools as an actor, um, I think the next year. And, and I didn't get anywhere, of course, and I was still finished, still at university, but I thought it would be good to get some experience and to see, get a sense in those auditions to see whether I, ha- I, I had the, the ability, the sort of talent, the, whatever it is one needs to sort of you know survive in the business and I don't know why I thought going to auditions would do that but I, I certainly got a sense from the actors I was beginning to meet um uh off the experiences I, I was having that it was a good idea to to try several you know you're going to need to try more than once to get into drama school even back then and uh, so that's what I did and I think that I then left university and I had an arts degree and again <laughs> It's like what do you do with a master degree? Still, the, the question is, you know, I've been searching for an answer for that question um, in my life. But I'm pleased I did it, and I applied again for drama school, and I applied, and I thought, do you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it one go, and if I get in, I will, um, and if I, you know, I'd, I'd save some money. Um, my dad very generously um, was going to lend me some money to go uh, to do the, the course if I if I got in. I'd already. Um, I was lucky enough to have that support, that backing, um, but that was it. It was like last chance, Luna. I'm going to try and get into drama school because I'm not. I I knew that the opportunities weren't going to be there unless I had a proper training, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to go and learn the craft, and I applied, and I got into Weber Douglas, uh, which back then was one of the few drama schools doing like a, a two year degree. So that was as much I could afford to do, and so that's what I went off and I, and I did, and I and I and I very luckily got in. And I did a two year two year course there at Webber Douglas, and then um, and how was that? Was that a good time for you? Yeah, it, it it was it was an amazing time. I mean, like if I if I look back and go, well, that 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 moment in Edinburgh, which was the passion and the feeling connected to a community and to you know a, a world I wanted to be part of, and and all these audiences and being you know feeling connected to a to this wider community felt so wonderful being at drama school for me was that sort of really getting to grips with what this you know I don't use that word lightly the craft is and and trying to learn and trying to improve and trying to delve deeper into what this is all about uh back then being an actor and I had at University I had directed some stuff too so i you know I always knew that that was something I wanted to do too but it felt to me like it was all part of the same thing um back then and 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 i I did I had two really fabulous years and there were some great teachers really inspiring teachers there some wonderful fellow students um you know i made I made friends there who've you know remained very close friends with me now and it was a very intense i mean if you know that was where I learned how, how tough it really was to, to really you know dedicate your life to this this business and to to this craft. And I I feel I did learn a lot. I think every teacher I had would constantly remind us all that whatever you learn here, it, that's great. You'll put it into. A, I think I remember one teacher in particular literally used to say, "You're going to learn these tools. You're going to put these tools into a suitcase. You go out there and you're going to discover which tools are more useful to you than other ones." And you're only really going to learn by going out there and, and doing it. Um, and they were right. And, um, and you know, you leave drama school, I'm sure the experience is exactly the same now as it was back then, filled with hope and ambition and filled with information. And you need to just go out there and, and be in front of audiences, uh, doing different plays, being tested in different ways, getting to grips with, you know, the, the the skills that you've recently acquired, which need to be bedded in, and um, and I worked as an actor like that. I, you know, I think my first, in fact, my first job out of drama school was doing a two-hander on on tour around the British Isles. Uh, me and and a fellow actor and a stage manager, and we took it in terms to drive this this minibus around the british Isles, and it was a show called not about heroes which is about um, Wilfred Owen and Siegfried Sassoon really beautiful
1: play actually oh yeah that is that's a lovely play i saw that recently it's it, oh, it's yeah it's nice
0: yeah, it's a lovely it's a lovely show and it, you know and for for you know young a young actor coming straight out of drama school it's, it was kind of perfect because you know we were playing you know, we'd play li- i mean playing libraries in a library one day uh, doing a sort of uh, then playing a playing an 800 seater the next day not to 800 800- members of the audience, I have to stress. Um, but, but you know, playing, playing a whole variety of different venues and certainly, you know, somebody trying to sort of like, you know, uh, get to grips and sort of get some experience under the belt, it, it felt like I was putting miles, you know, definitely getting miles on, on the belt there, sort of going out there and, and playing different venues and totally different audiences. And, and doing those mad tours where you're playing Brighton one night and then Carlisle the next, and then the next night you're playing um you know uh chichester or something you know up and down the country i mean like we drove thousand thousand miles but it was fa- it was fantastic it was just what i wanted to do um i had a wonderful time with um will tapley wonderful actor was playing opposite wonderful wonderful man and we had a really good time and um yeah, it was it, it was a great experience.
1: And I've been asking everyone when the conversation about training and formative experiences comes up. Obviously, there'll be early career and emerging artists listening to this right now, uh, for whom. Yeah making uh, isn't currently a possibility and training will have to go on the back burner. So were there any books or resources that were particularly important to you at that time that you think would bear looking at for the people who are considering their practice in uh, while social distancing?
0: That's such a great question. For, for quite a, a long time in my early career, I was, I was really quite into Shakespeare, something which uh, Shakespeare was really important to me. Um, I discovered Shakespeare or rather found a connection Shakespeare I I guess maybe quite late but maybe not I guess as a as a student in university really I mean I I'd, I'd studied English and I'd enjoyed studying the text but as a performer it wasn't until I really got you know stood up on my feet and started to say the words you know thinking that I was the character um as they were written to be to be performed I I that's when I really started connected with it. and and certainly at university I was in a few shakespeare's there and then when i left and and had some wonderful teachers at drama school i really got quite into um shakespeare and um and then i i really wanted my big ambition as a young actor was to to do a season at the rsc and i was very lucky to get in and and i did a few seasons there and so coming back to question for me a lot of the books i have really found um, to be so useful and so, I, I guess, comforting, actually, because, yeah, I've, uh, Shakespeare isn't easy and I didn't find it easy at all as an actor and I had to work at it. But a couple of texts really unlocked it, felt like it started to unlock for me. And 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 the first one, of course, is that playing Shakespeare book by John Barton. And I, for me, that is the absolutely most useful, most wonderful most sort of accessible, I guess, text on performing Shakespeare because John Barton, of course, was a a genius and an amazing director, an amazing theatre maker and amazing Shakespearean. And he's working with actors, you know, amazing actors and unlocking scenes and actually sort of just looking for those little clues that Shakespeare leaves you in text to help the actor um, to sort of connect with it and I found that particular book so enlightening, so enlightening, and it's one where as an actor and even as a well not even but yeah as a, as a director when i've directed shakespeare um i I'll come back to time and time again um I find it absolutely fascinating and really really comforting and there's another one as well, which is um i remember as a it took me a long time to get um in any telework as a as an actor um I did quite a bit of theater and i so, so I did a, a few seasons um, at the RSC and again I, I I found that experience totally transforming really for, for me as an actor because it, I was I had the opportunity to perform regularly um, and to you know in, in front of audiences and to practice you know stuff like you know, you know your your vocal work and um course practice the text work and stuff and you're working with the most amazing people you know um had the great good fortune to work with sis berry um who of course was extraordinary um practitioner um an amazing lady and um i was very lucky and i worked with many other great people there too you know the experience was invaluable but i you know and i i spent several years make quite a few years working in theatre and um and developing that um, and developing, you know, as an actor on that front. But I, I also knew that I needed to branch out. I really wanted to get into TV and, you know, to sort of experience that, um, that discipline. Because um, when I was at drama school, we didn't do much TV training. And I thought, well, if I do not get someone under my belt, I'm never going to learn how to do it. Because I understood that it was a different kind of technique. Um, and I remember somebody going, oh, you know? uh, yes, yeah, so. I thought, oh, what am I going to? I I just desperately want to try and get into TV, but again, I'm sure the same thing is, applies now. But if you haven't got TV on your CV, it's quite it's quite hard to break into it, you know. And i i did some um I did a commercial again. I used to go up for loads and loads of commercials. Never get them of hundreds and hundreds. You go up, you know, loads and loads and loads. You go up for, and then you know, occasionally you get lucky. And i and I, I got lucky once, and I got a commercial. And i I recorded it. I put it onto a onto a tape. And I, um, a friend of mine was was in a um, had been cast in a TV production, which was a, a um, an adaptation of a book by Tony Parsons called um, Man and Boy. And uh, I thought, oh, I found out who was directing it, and I um, and I sent it. I sent this tape to the to the director. Um, the, your commercial. Yeah, the commercial. And you know, this and is what, back what, in the day. What was, yeah, what was it? it? The commercial was, uh, it was, I'll tell you what it was. It was, um, it was, it was for Nescafe. And it was when Friends was on TV, they used to do these idents. It was sponsored by Nescafe and they used to do these idents. It was very, I think it was like one of the first idents they did. They did a series of idents around these four people living together. And, uh, and I was one of the people. So basically there was, there was about these 20 second long little sketches. And uh, we did a whole series of these and they were, they were really fun. It was a really fun job to do. And I just spiced them together and put them into this tape and uh, sent this bulky package off to the um, director. I can't remember who it was now. I got a phone call from out of the blue from this guy. I said, oh, hello, you Bill? I said, yeah, I said, oh, um, yeah, I'm this, uh, this the director's assistant on this, on this um, show and uh, I wonder if, um, you know, if you'd like to come and meet. And it was incredible. I, uh, I was so bowled over that, firstly, somebody so busy would have the time to – to actually watch a tape, but also to sort of like respond to it. And I'd said in this letter, I said, look, um, I'm, you know, I, I hear you doing this thing. I just wanted, you know, would you consider me for any, anything at all, you know, a, a line, whatever, if you're looking for actors, I, I'd love to be considered. And, um, yeah, I, I, he was so kind. And, um, I tell you it was, it was, um, Simon Curtis, the amazing Simon Curtis, brilliant, brilliant director. Um, and he invited me in, and I got a, a part. I got a telly roll off it. And um, anyway, the reason we're saying all this is, and uh, it was a, it was a you know three three or four lines in the show, and it was such a generous thing for him to take the time to ask me to 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 meet and and then to to get the job. I mean, it, I was so lucky. I was absolutely terrified about doing this job because I thought, now I've got this job, which is a three, I think maybe two or three lines in this show. I'm I literally, I've never done anything like this. I don't know what, I, I need some help. I, I don't know what. How do I approach the role? What do you do with a camera, you know, in front of you? And um, I was very nervous. And somebody said to me, oh, there's this brilliant book, it's a, an actor friend by Michael Kane on screen acting. And I think it's called Michael Caine on screen acting. Michael Caine, I mean, maybe some some young people who are training may not know who Michael Caine is, but Michael Caine was a big hero of mine, still is a big hero of mine, a fantastic screen actor. And um, he wrote this, he, I think he did a workshop, uh, which was televised on screen acting. And then this book came off it, and it was called Screen Acting by Michael Caine. And I read this book, it's not very long, from cover to cover, like I, I devoured it. And it was it was so helpful for me as a young actor with no previous TV experience at all, camera work at all. And, um, Oh, it was, it was such, it was so accessible. It it sort of broke down the mystery of it all for, for me, you know, a youngish actor, um, about to face a camera for the first time and, you know, and, and it, it really helped me. So I really would recommend that too. I'm sure there are now millions of books about screen acting, um, but that was a really that was really helpful for me then, and as, as something very accessible to, to and, and written by a real hero of mine as well. And um, yeah, I remember I remember him talking about just preparing, like that thing of just making sure you know those lines inside out, back to front, because you don't get in rehearsal. And in fact, ironically, my first that first job, um, there were rehearsals for it, and in fact, quite decent rehearsals. I mean, I, I don't think anything else I did after that, all the other little episodes and stuff I did after that ever rehearsed, but
1: my very first job did have rehearsals. So I was lucky, but um, but I'll, I'll never forget reading that and, and the help that gave me. And uh, you mentioned that you directed a couple of plays at university and you knew that that was something that you wanted to do, but then you're having this uh, career, successful career as an actor, at what point does the directing uh, itch come back in, and uh, when do you realise that you, that's something that you've you've got to do? That it's an itch you've got to scratch. I, yes, I, I'd always had this itch, and you know, i i used to read I used
0: to read a lot of plays um, when I was a young actor. I, I used to go and see as much as I could, but I used to read a lot, and I often and I used to read plays that I didn't go and see. So, for example, there was a writer, um, you know, uh, the sort of vanguard of sort of new. British writing at the time and um, the amazing writer Anthony Nilsson and um, Anthony was writing a lot you know, these extraordinary plays and when I was at the RSC the first time I was at the RSC and I was playing small parts um, in three plays and um, having a one, really wonderful time th- they used to do a thing at the RSC could the RSC Fringe I don't know if they still do it but um, at the end of the season once all the shows were up and running they used to convert a couple of the rehearsal rooms into studio th- theatres and actors... Because you know you're really busy. You're really busy, Thierry. you most of the time you're rehearsing one play during the day and then performing at night, and that would go on for a year or whatever. So suddenly you you know you're left with you know some spare time, and so people would do their one person show. Uh, people would put on you know um, comedy nights, whatever scratch nights. And I'd I thought, oh, I, there's this play of Anthony's I just really want to do. I never saw it. I'd kind of visualise it in my head for so long, and I'd always wanted to have a go at. I thought I want to have a go at directing it, and it's
1: um, the night before Christmas, and uh, such an amazing play. Yeah, a remarkable play about two guys in a warehouse who accidentally kidnap Santa. Possibly is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually one of his elves. Uh, this, this, that's it. This,
0: this, yeah. this chap says he's, a, he's an elf, and they've captured him. It's on Christmas Eve, and it is an incredibly. I mean. It's hilarious, dark, and joyful, and um, wonderful show. One at play, and um, it's had many, many revivals. It's such a great, great piece, and um, and it just so happened to say. I, I, the reason why I thought about it, especially, was because I mean, I was really, really, yeah, really keen on Anthony's work, and, and I, I just knew the cast for it. They were in my the shows I was in. I was like, oh my, I can cast everybody. It's so, and they were friends of mine. So, we booked a slot and um and we did the show and uh we had such a laugh on it really good time. I remember like a friend of ours uh in the costume department at the at the r s c made an elf costume it was i mean it was so wonderful it was really so, all hands on deck everybody sort of got behind it and helped us out and um it was my first sort of you know um experience of yeah i guess working with professional actors and um who happened to be friends, and we had a real, real screen doing it. It was really good fun. They're a brilliant um, company, and then the those shows then went to the Bridewell Theatre for a, when we were at the Barbican. They said they went there, and I, and basically, I, 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 I'd had to ask Anthony if you know we presumably somebody had to pay him some rights. I mean, whoever was producing the festival had to pay some to, to Anthony. Anyway, Anthony came, and he was, and he it was just so great to meet him. And uh, we had a drink in the bar after and he was like, um, he'd really enjoyed the show. And he said, you know, you should do something else. And, um, and so I then, I, I, I felt very, um, very sort of um, bolstered by his response. So I, I then thought, okay, yeah, all right. And I, I've, I've, you know, I was, I was young and I was um, enthusiastic and I, I self-produced a production of Penetrator next at the Old Red Lion. No, it wasn't, it wasn't at the Old Red Lion. It was at the, uh Lachmy, which then became the 503. And then it went to the old red line as well, um sort of um six months later. Again, it was just uh, I, I happened to know just the right people for the roles and they were up for it and we did it and it was it was a great experience. And you know, um Anthony would really he got behind it. We had some nice reviews and um and then I got offered to, uh, a, 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 pro, a, a kind of a, a paid gig to direct a fringe show and that's kind of where it all kind of turned for me i guess because i was still i was still acting and um and i got this offer to you know a, a small fee to direct a, a fringe show and i and i was like wow that's amazing hmm. um <laughs> for somebody, i mean you know i'd beg and still to do shows up to that point and Suddenly, somebody saying they're going to pay me, and more than that, they're going to pay for the production. Like I literally couldn't believe it. And um, yeah, so I, I guess that at that point, I was like, "Oh, you, you know, maybe that, maybe, maybe I could make a living. Maybe, maybe that's a sign that I should just keep going on that." And then for a few years, I mean, I, I then didn't direct anything for absolutely ages. I mean, I was, I was acting. I think that there came a point when I started to sort of have more projects, you know, happening that. I found it difficult to maintain the two, and I'm one of those people. I, th- I mean, there are plenty of really successful actors and uh, who also direct and and are and are brilliant at both and can do both and can. And i I'm I find it quite difficult to compartmentalise. To com- compartmentalise, um, I think the more directing I I was doing, the more I kind of like the more I kind of would sit back and watch the company on stage and think, wow. How do they how do they do that night after night? And I was thinking I I almost couldn't see myself doing that anymore. The courage and the sort of the focus, the energy, the self-belief being on a stage up there in front of an audience. Um, I felt safer in some ways out, out front. And I suppose looking from the outside in became more I swear, engaging for me than than being on the inside of it looking out. And yeah, and so I kind of it wasn't a sort of a natural moment where I was like, that's it. I'm not doing any more acting. It just kind of, fizz, just kind of fizzled out. And, um, and you know, I, I'd get a call from my acting agent. Oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a audition for you for this show. It's happening. I said, what are the dates? Oh, well, I can't do that because I'm meant to be directing this um, um, open-air Shakespeare show or whatever it was. And I, it would cut me out of stuff and, you know, gradually... You know, um, you find you find where you where you're really meant to be. I think, I guess, in this business, um, yeah. So, you know, over a period of time, I sort of found myself being a full time director, and that
1: was it. And I wonder now if we can just uh, switch a little, uh, switch focus a little bit, and talk about process. Um, can you tell us what does the first week in your rehearsal room look like? <laughs> well, um, who
0: knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess it depends what the show is. Um, Tell you what it'd be like in. Um, I mean, recently I've directed some musicals recently, and um, obviously with a musical, you you know, you've got a lot of material to get through, and you've got a lot of elements to get through. And I and I certainly, you know, I think much like any anybody tackling a, a musical, you want to get a lot of the kind of the tough stuff under your belt from the beginning. So the first week um, with a musical is going to be a lot of obviously you know music and choreo based and I and, and I, I like to be present for all of the, I like to be in the room and, and, and be with the companies they're learning I mean mostly I, I do actually like to be you know at every stage of the show because as I'm sat in that room listening to the um, actors learning you not know, bashing the learning the numbers or, or, or learning the steps I'm getting to know them uh, as performers I'm getting to know them as a as a, as a, as a, as a group and as a, as a group energy. And I'm going to know the show more intimately. You know, you do months and months of work, obviously, on any show you're working on, and yet you can go into the into the room and with with this wonderful group of people you put together, who some of whom have never seen each other before, and you're learning new things all the time. And and I don't want to miss out on any of that. And I want to be able to move and to as that sort of energy flows through the room and throughout the process. Um. So I week one will be you know predominantly music and choreo, but I will find moments where I can. You know, um, I can can grab actors and, and do a first pass on a scene, start talking, doing character work, which I find very important. Um, because you know, very quickly in a in a in a show like that, you know, your your time runs out, and you 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 want to use every moment you've got. And um, and I like to you know plant seeds and uh, to continue conversations I may have had with actors before the the rehearsal process has started. And um, so yeah, so so you know that would be probably. Um, what we, we'll be doing in, uh, with um, with musical, you know, obviously there's always a, a table read. I, I do like those. I mean, I I'm, I'm not averse to doing a table read with lyrics as well. And every actor hates that, but I'm, you know, and it's a. But I do like to hear the entire thing and hear how the how the the scenes sort of you know flow into uh, a lyric and and then out again. And I you know. I, are those lyrics being sung or spoken? Being spoken, yeah, being spoken. Yeah. Um, and so obviously that's, that's what we'll do on day one. And, you know, day one, of course, would be a model showing as well and and a sort of sense of, um, of the world that, you know, um, myself and designer and, you know, um, have been sort of, you know, immersed in uh, for however long and um, and a sort of a sense of the vision of the of, of the, the piece as a whole and uh, how we're going to present it. With a song like Shakespeare, of course, it's it's quite it's quite different. Um, and, you know, I do like table work. I really do like table work. And um, But, I, you know, depending on how long you've got, you know, I, I would, you know, try
1: and do, if you could do a week around the table, that'd be incredible, if um, you don't have the time to do that. What does your table work look like? I, it just occurs to me that um, people, people have said that quite a few times on this podcast, and not everyone who listens will know what that means. And obviously it means different things to different directors, but what, what does your version of table work look like? The aim of table work is,
0: for me, for us to come together and to develop a, a shared understanding of what the story is, to unpick the challenges of the text. I'm going to talk about Shakespeare in particular, but, you know, it could be anything. But to unpick the conundrums and the problems and the challenges in the, in the text, um, so that we all know what we're saying, when we're saying it, and what the story's about. What that really entails is, again, coming back to when I was an actor, I I always come back to that first rehearsal at the RSC. And the first show I did at the RSC was Richard II, directed by the great Stephen Pimlock, starring the brilliant Sam West, David Troughton, a, a fantastic cast. And I was utterly terrified. I had not slept for like... I, I said before that I'd i always wanted to be, to sort of work on Shakespeare and be at the RSC. And uh because I, I really wanna, you know, learn how to do Shakespeare properly and um and yet when I you know, I got the job and you know, I say small I played Green, Bushy Baggett and Green. Um who <laughs> don't last long in Richard the And uh but I was I was thrilled to bits, thrilled, you know, um, of course. And yeah, I was totally terrified. I I th- I spent weeks beforehand trying to understand it, thinking that I did, and then realising I didn't, and thinking that I was going to be sat around a table with all these people, very experienced actors. Of course, I was, but people who who really knew their stuff, and I would just look like a you know an idiot, and I and I would be totally out of my depth. And I will never forget that first day, sat around the table, you know, we read the play, and I remember. One of the older members of the company, he's a wonderful actor called Alfie Burke, who was playing John of Gaunt, Alfred Burke, and I think he was eighty. It was in his eighties when he played it. Remarkable actor, and he, at the end of that read-through, pretty much, you know, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but pretty much, he was the first person to speak, and he said something along the lines of this is really impossible to understand, isn't it? Everyone everyone went, oh, my God, thank God. <laughs> yes. And there was this kind of understanding around the table that this was really tricky, tricky stuff. Immediately, everyone's put at ease, and and I will never forget that. And so coming back to, to, to my table, I mean, it's really, really crucial that um, for me that we create um, an atmosphere in the room, that we as a company create an atmosphere in the room where no question is, too, is, is stupid. Um, every question is valid. Um, everyone has a voice. Everyone has a, a, a has everyone's opinion is, is is to be listened to, and everyone's opinion is valid. And we work together as a company to understand, and that for me is the crucial thing about table work. There is a yet yeah, the objective has to be that we are understanding the words, understanding what we are saying so that we, and, and beginning to take ownership over the material. Um, and, you know, we can sit and have a, we'll read a scene, and then we'll go through it. I mean, i like let go through it in, in our own words. And then, you you know, you, you hit on something, you start talking about something, something's mentioned in a scene, and you go, what's that mean? Oh, well, is this, and, you know, and you you end up, you can talk for, I mean, you know, you can talk for hours and hours. I mean, I tried to sort of keep quiet, disciplined, because you could go on for days and days, and it's very pleasurable to do that, and... And useful, to some degree, but you know, um, as I say, if you've got four days or five days to do that, you've got to find, you know, uh, some sort of discipline through it, and so you so you don't sort of rush it towards the end. But I find it very very enjoyable, and I, I think I think most actors in, enjoy that as long as they know that it's a safe space to be working and that and to understand what the objective is—that it is to you know, with Shakespeare, to understand, literally, understand everything that's being said, so that when we start to get up on our feet, you know, again, you know, we have moments where you you think you've understood it sat around a table then you stand up and then you go oh wait a minute it's not that it's this so you know some days um and and again with table work i don't like to sit down all day doing it i think it becomes very um de-energizing very it can become very um uh, heavy so i do you know maybe i do a morning of that and then in the afternoon do character work and do some Maybe, you know, if there's music in it, we'll do some music or just stuff to, you know, or we'll try a scene out, which we've we've talked about, you know, try and keep it mixed up. But the, the table work is important, I think, um, so that we've all got some sort of understanding it and a chance to talk about it, to talk about the characters, to talk about the the story, to talk about the, you know, social, political sort of, you know, angle of it or what, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, it's it's valuable work. Does that sort of answer the
1: question? Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, I am conscious that we're running out of time, but I just have a couple of very quick questions before we finish off, if that's all right. Of course. Can you tell us about the last work of art that absolutely blew your mind? And by by art, I mean, you know, theatre, film, television, visual art, any music, anything you like. Well, you know, um, one of
0: the things about the last few weeks, for me, I mean, as I said before, I mean, you know, it's been pretty much a case of, you know, spending time with my with the kids and and, you know teaching and etc etc but there's been there's been opportunity to sort of like digest some some of the things that i've seen some of the theater i've seen some of the films i've seen some of the books i've read you know normally we don't we're not afforded that time are we because life's life's so hectic and you know it's a lot of running around chasing around i saw um gold from the north country for the first time just before it closed and that's really stayed with me. That um, I, I sat right at the back of the of the stalls, and I, as a piece of theatre, I mean that's one of the it's a show I saw you know, relatively recently, and I and I, I was really affected by that, um, by the kind of fragility of it, and the sort of the really compassionate and really. Um, emotional connection that I had with me it was really really affected me
1: yeah i think there's there's something remarkable about that show in uh, so i i i love that music uh, i love bob dylan's music in general i think there's something remarkable about that show where you take something as dense as dylan's lyrics and uh, and music and it it somehow managed to open them up more i think uh, and make them make them much more human in a way that i don't think they are when you hear him doing them well that's really interesting i mean i'm i i'm not a, a diehard uh bob dylan fan
0: for no other reason than not. it's sort of for whatever reason um I, it's some sort of terrible to say that it's slightly i just never really got in into him until you know i've got a few i had a few albums over the years but it as you say i think for me it kind of it sort of opened his kind of body of work up to me and it really, really got me, and it's it's exquisitely, it, you know, it's exquisitely produced, and it, and it was designed, it was impeccably designed. It was just felt like the perfect marriage of you know, actor, um, direction, design, um, uh, music, musicality in all its forms, and uh, musical direction and, and performance. It, it it really it really got me. And, you know, I think theatre, isn't it the way with anything that you look at, whether it be a, a painting or, or listen to an album or it depends sort of where you are in your life. And that could be just on, on, on where you are in your life in on that particular day or in that particular moment. And that really stayed with me. There was another one at the, the, the National, which I, I, I often go to, th- I, actually, I don't often go to, I was going to say I often go to the theatre on my own. I used to go to the theatre a lot on my own. and now. I rarely go to the theatre on my own, but I did go and see um, the show at the Dorfman Faith Open Charity. Was it from- Oh, um Alex Zeldin show. Yeah, Alex Zeldin show. Yeah. And I saw that on my own and I'm saying that because, you know, sometimes when you're on your own, um, there can be a detachment to what you're, sometimes I find there can be a detachment to what you're watching because you are not really, you, you don't get the opportunity to, to- I-, I don't know what, sometimes I feel that I'm- I-, I can feel quite held when I'm on my own watching something and, for what I, I sat and I watched that show on my own, and I was in bits. And I, I found I, I really loved his previous work, which I'd seen a few years before. And I, I saw that and it felt like a. It, it captured a, a moment in time, um, uh, of our time, which was really, um, really appalling and really, and it really stayed with me. That and actually in recent weeks, I've I've been thinking about that too. Uh, that experience of watching that and um yeah those are two plays i mean i've seen loads of stuff brilliant
1: things but for whatever reason those are two that come to mind right now
0: and um, yeah
1: i i I too i think i i I think i prefer the experience of going to the theatre on my own because uh it's exactly what you say I can feel more immersed in it and and actually more emotionally engaged and I think that's because if I'm on my own I know I don't have the pressure pressure of having to have an articulate opinion about this in the interval (laughs) so I'm not gonna have to talk to anyone about it which means I can I can let it sit with me before I figure out what it what it means to me if that makes sense
0: yes absolutely. absolutely yeah and I think you know like with did we go and see you know sure, sure, lots of us go and see a lot of stuff, and actually having time to be able to reflect and think about what you've seen um can be hard to find, so you know um yeah, those were two quite 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 extraordinary pieces of, of work i uh, I felt
1: and finally, bill, just to finish off, can you recommend something for us to all enjoy while we're social distancing? <laughs> Many things I
0: can recommend. I mean, I uh, there are some fab- fantastic games I've been playing with my uh, my kids. Trivial Pursuits. I re- I've rediscovered my my love of that game. I used to love that game, Trivial Pursuits. We've recently acquired Junior Trivial, Trivial Pursuits for all the family, which has got adult questions and uh, questions of kids too. Brilliant! If you've got kids, get that. You love it. It's absolutely hilarious. And I've actually played it with. Um, friends and their kids over zoom recently as well which is um uh how exciting my life is at the moment um but it's it's a brilliant it's a brilliant game i've watched a fair amount of telly um i've uh i'm doing a big binge watch this weekend of uh, normal people which i understand is fantastic and um stars a brilliant young actress uh daisy uh, edgar jones who's, who's an incredible young talent and she was in um a film i directed um a couple of years ago, called Pond Life, and she's brilliant, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, I saw An Orthodox, uh, which was on Netflix, which was really interesting and wonderful central uh, performance uh, from an actress whose name escaped me right now, but she was
1: brilliant. Yeah, those are the the few that spring to mind. Well, that's an excellent list to be going on with. Bill Buckhurst, thank you so much for talking uh, talking to us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Craig. Lovely to chat to you. Thank you for listening to this specially recorded episode of the Nottingham Playhouse Playcast Amplify podcast series. To find out more about the Amplify programme or the rest of our work, visit nottinghamplayhouse.co.uk and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for all the latest episodes as they're released.